0: We're kicking it. We are so. kicking it. <laughs> kicking Dude, it. Sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, God, I just can't. Um, so <laughs> we're back to this thing where I don't know when these episodes are going to release because we're recording enough of them in advance to try and get ready for our grand push to two a week. Um, yeah, um but uh, I have no idea where these are going to actually fall. So I feel we there's a re- we recorded a thing. We're recording this in the middle of the uh,
1: movement in in you know. Hopefully, hopefully this episode falls in like twelve months because that's when we get this. Whole like toppling of, of all the power yeah, systems. Yeah, hopefully, before this out.
0: episode will have come out, will have yeah. actually done the thing that gave us the ol- again, I've, I've, I've put it pretty clear in stone. The only reason, excuse, we ever have to miss a week is if the revolution actually kicks off. And this is the first time that I've said that and actually kind of in the back of my head gone like. Miss a week coming up through Is that whole revolution thing? Um, so God, I sincerely hope so. But uh, we've already talked about that and uh, in depth tonight, and you'll have heard that well before this comes out. So that being said, we're just gonna jump back into the, the good old reading of this book. Uh, we're still mm-hmm. on page 103, the coming of the Lord. It was easy to transfer class hatred so that it fell upon the black worker. The end of the war seemed far off, and the attempt to enforce the draft led particularly to disturbances in New York City, where a powerful part of the city press was not only against the draft, but against the war and in favor of the South and Negro slavery. What? Progressive New York City was in favor of uh, slavery? You do not tell me. (laughs) You do not tell me. I am shocked. This is my shocked face. Y'all can't see it, but David can. Uh, The establishment of the draft undertaken July 13th in New York City met everywhere with resistance. Working men engaged in tearing down buildings were (laughs) requested to give their names for the draft. They refused and drove away the officers. The movement spread over the whole city. Mobs visited workshops and compelled the men to stop work. Firemen were prevented from putting out fires. Telegraph wires were cut. And then the last whole force of the riot turned against the Negroes. Oh, good. They were the cause of the war and hence the cause of the draft. Great job, white people. They were biting... They were bidding for the same jobs as white men. They were underbidding white workers, oh my heavens, pearl clutch, uh, in order to keep themselves from starving. They were disliked, especially by the Irish, because of direct economic competition and difference in religion. Democratic press had advised the people that they were to be called upon to fight the battles of hard and word and abolitionists. Governor Seymour politely requested the rioters to await the return of his adjunct general whom he had dispatched to Washington to ask the president to suspend the draft. The report of the Merchants Committee on the draft riot says of the Negroes, driven by the fear of death at the hands of the mob, who the week previous had, as you remember, brutally murdered by hanging on trees and lampposts, several of their number, and cruelly beaten and robbed many others burning and sacking their houses and driving nearly all from the streets and alleys and docks upon which they had previously obtained an honest though humble living. These people had been forced to take refuge on Blackwell's Island, at police stations on the outskirts of the city, in the swamps and the woods back of Bergen, New Jersey, at Weeksville, and in the barns and outhouses of the farmers of Long Island and Morrisania. At these places, there were scattered some 5,000 homeless men, women, and children. The whole demonstration became anti-union and Mm. pro-slavery. Oh, how quickly that one turned. Mm. Great. Attacks were made on the residents of Horace Greeley, and cheers were heard for Jefferson Davis. The police fought it at first, only half-heartedly and with sympathy, and finally with brutality. Man, the police back then at least like waited a hot second before they got to brutality. Yeah. That's nice. It's good. It's a nice development for them. Soldiers were summoned from Fort Hamilton, West Point, and others. The property loss, oh my heavens, was put at 1.2 million. And it was estimated that between 400 and 1,000 people were killed. I love that the property Jeez. loss comes before the uh, a yeah. 1,000 dead people. That's a nice turn. Uh, when 1,000 troops under General Wool took charge of the city, 13 rioters were killed, 18 wounded, and 24 made prisoners. Four days the riot lasted, and the city appropriated $2.5 million to indemnify the quote-unquote victims. He, he didn't put the quotes there. I did. Because <laughs> there are no, no, yeah. not a victim there. Unless, of course, we're talking about the families of the black population that were murdered. But I have a distinct feeling that that's not what the city of New York was setting up high 2.5 million no, to indemnify like, I
1: against. I feel like that was pointed at, at the uh, um, proto open the economyers.
0: Yeah. Got a weird, got a weird gut feeling on that one. If I'm, I'd love yeah. to be wrong, but I just don't think I am based on the last page. Yeah. I've had to read in many other places, riots That yeah. In many other places, riots took place, although they did not become so specifically race riots. They did, however, show the North that unless they could replace unwilling white soldiers with black soldiers who had a vital stake in the outcome of the war, the war could not be won. Again, back to the concept of you're not going to. (laughs) Why are are you insisting? How inbred is this racism? How ingrained is this concept that you need to keep the other class from any sort of of participation that that you're willing to start riots, uh, uh, possibly lose the entire war rather than. Again, as a last ditch, every other thing has mm-hmm. been tried to resort. Allow black soldiers who have a vested interest in fighting this battle actually participate. That's how long mm-hmm. they to drag their feet and claw their way in. It's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, D- David, take it away.
1: Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> sorry, it had been I'm a sorry. commonplace thing. There, there you go. It had been a commonplace, the thing in the north, to declare that Negroes would not fight. Even the black man's friends were skeptical about the possibility of using him as a soldier, and far from its being to the credit of the black men or any men that they did not want to kill, the ability and willingness to take human life has always been, even in the minds of liberal men, a proof of manhood. It took in many respects a finer type of courage for the Negro to work quietly and faithfully as a slave, while the world was fighting over his destiny than it did to seize a bayonet and rush mad with fury or inflamed with drink or plunge it into the bowels of a stranger. (coughs) Sorry. Yet this was the proof of manhood required of the Negro. He might plead his cause with the tongue of Frederick Douglass and the nation listened almost unmoved. He might labor for the nation's wealth and the nation took the results without the thanks and handed him a near nothing in return as would keep him alive. He was called a coward and a fool when he protected the women and children of his master. But when he rose and fought and killed, the whole nation with one voice proclaimed a man and a brother. Nothing else made emancipation possible in the United States. Nothing else made Negro citizenship conceivable but the record of the Negro soldier as a fighter. The military aid of the Negroes began as laborers and as spies. A soldier said, this war has been full of records of Negro agency in our behalf. Negro guides have piloted our forces. Negro sympathy cared for our prisoners escaping the enemy. Negro hands have made us a naval captures. Negro spies bought us unvaluable information. Negroes of the South have been in sympathy with us from the beginning and have always hailed the approach of our flag with the wildest demonstrations of joy. All through the war and after, Negroes were indispensable as informers and as well known. The Southern papers had repeated notices of the work of Negro spies. In Richmond, a white woman with dispatches of cut confederate army was arrested in 1863 on information given by a negro at the battle of manassas the house of the free negro was used as a refuge for the dead and wounded union men negro pilots repeatedly guided federal boats in southern waters and there were several celebrated cases of the whole boats being seized by negro pilots a typical instance of this type of action uh, was the action of william f tillman a colored steward on board the Brigadier S. J. Waring, which carried ca- a cargo valued of a hundred thousand dollars, he had succeeded by leading a revolt in freeing a vessel from the Confederates who had seized it, and when the aid of a German and a Canadian had brought the vessel into a port at New York, this action brought up the question of whether a Negro could be master of a vessel. In the official opinions of the Attorney General of eighteen sixty-two it was declared that a free colored man if born in the united states was a nit- citizen of the united states and that he was competent to be master of a vessel engaged in the coasting trade so basically they had to show that they could do it before they earned any respect or humanity uh, just, and this was this was after they had to earn it by killing essentially yeah. you know just
0: imagining just imagining the bad tom hanks somali pirate movie with the <laughs> uh, look at me i'm the, I captain, the captain now, captain now. Very much, yeah. This is, <laughs> just imagining that scene, but actually with, with a Confederate guy instead of Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's, 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 you know, the small
1: joys of life. Uh, the case of Smalls and of the planter at Charleston, South Carolina, became almost classic. Well, at the wheel of the planter as pilot in the rebel service, it occurred to me that I could not only secure my own freedom, but that of numbers of my comrades and bonds. And moreover, I thought the planter might be of some use to Uncle Abe. I, reported, I don't
0: like giving Abraham Lincoln that honorific. I just don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't enjoy it. I'm, I'm not
1: going to disagree. I'm just reading the book. Reading I know. The
0: book. I get it. Just, just interjecting my distaste for mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, I reported my plans for rescuing the planter from the rebel captain of the crew, all colored, and secured their secrecy and cooperation. On May 13th, 1862, we took on board several large guns at the Atlantic dock. That evening of the day, the captain went home, leaving the boat in my care with instruction to send for him in case he should be wanted. At half past three o'clock in the morning of the 14th of May, I felt Atlantic dock with a planter. I left the dock. I left oh, the dock. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> <left> <laughs> I felt the, the dock. I felt it in my blood. Uh, I left the Atlantic dock with a planter who went to the E. ED- i don't know some french crap took on board my family and several other families and then proceeded down the charleston river slowly when opposite fort sumter at 4 a.m i gave the signal which had answered from the fort thereby giving permission to pass
0: (laughs) i love this i love this story so goddamn like the guy literally stole like he was put as like second in command of a confederate ship and then just knew enough to be able to from the inside, just like inside job, steal it. Yeah, give a pass. wave. Give a wave to the guard tower at the literal start of like, the civil war. Hey just be guys, like, hey guys. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like Star Wars, like the last one when they when they're flying in, they give the old code. It's like, hmm, that's a weird signal wave, but it'll pass. Let them through. Let them through. <laughs> Sorry for
1: making a Star Wars no, reference
0: ever in the history of time, guys. It was apropos, I promise. But it's it's still <laughs> I, I regret it immediately.
1: I then made speed for the blockading fleet. When entirely out of range of Sumter's guns. I hoisted a white flag at 5 a.m., reached a U.S. blockading vessel, commanded by Captain Nicholas, to whom I turned over the planter. After Lincoln was assassinated, General Hancock appealed to Negroes for help capturing his murderers. Your president has been murdered. He has fallen by the assassin without a moment's warning, simply and solely because he was your friend and the friend of our country. He had been unfaithful Hold on.
0: I do love the concept there that it was just ungentlemanly not to have warned Abe before he yeah. capped him. Like it was yeah. it was, you know, Debbie, you should have let him you should have wrote him a letter and said, I'm gonna shoot you in the <laughs> head, god damn it. Six emperor Tyrannus, something, something. That's right. Those go.
1: those death threats they send people. That's just that's just class. All that's, class. That's
0: really no. That really is. If you if you didn't send a notarized death threat before you tried to assassinate the president, it's ungentlemanly, and yes. I won't stand for it.
1: How dare you, sir? How, bring him back to life and reassassinate <laughs> him.
0: <laughs> I want this like the, that old pope trial where they like literally dug up a dead pope and then sat him up there so that they could have an extra <laughs> trial for him just before they excommunicated him again. That's the, that's the kind of petty bullshit I'm here for. <laughs>
1: Had he been unfaithful to you and to the great cause of human freedom, he might have lived. The pistol from which he met his death, though held by Booth, was held by the hands of treason and slavery. Think of this and remember how long and how anxiously this good man labored to break your chains and make you happy. I now appeal to you by every consideration which can move loyal and grateful hearts to aid in the discovering and arresting of his murderer.
0: Does this not feel like, uh, like, Brock, please come back, apologia right now. Like this, this feels very much like, it, Oh God, please, please come back. Barack, save it, us from, it, it from the does. police it's, state that you've mobilized and the detention it's inflating centers that you started. The
1: shit. It's inflating the shit out of Abe more than the term honest Abe does. And yeah, yeah but I mean, it, again, you know, it's to get the, the black troops and black crew on. Board it's also hard to, to say
0: how much of this is hindsight, like how much of what we know of Lincoln would have even been known at the time. Like again, you know, do do people know that he drug his feet that long, or was his was this image that we've been pumped our whole lives? What most people thought at the time, contemporary?
1: Well, I guess it depends. Like most people in the know probably knew because he was making these statements and speeches very formally. But I'm sure, like yeah. the everyday, you know, black man probably didn't know they were know that they, they fought for their freedom. Man, yeah. Lincoln was the leader of that fight. You know, I can and, see I just
0: I don't want I don't want to dogpile too hard on a on a group of a. Uh, freedom fighting uh, yeah. at, uh, black people in America. That just seems to fight.
1: They knew it good. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know,
0: there it is. But yeah, yeah. fuck, fuck Lincoln. Still, still hard yeah. on
1: fuck Lincoln. Yeah. Fuck Lincoln. And um, let's see. Fuck Lincoln. And this was a shoot on
0: April, on the 24th of go. April. On the next day, the cavalry and police force having crossed the Potomac received information from a colored woman that the fugitives have been seen there. They were followed toward Bowling Green and then toward Port Royal. There, an old colored man reported that four individuals in company with a rebel captain had crossed the river to Bowling Green. This information brought the police to Garrett's house, where Booth was found. And we, we Robo- all know Boston Corbett shot him. Oh, Boston Corbett! <laughs> oh, the old ballless wonder himself. Coming in there, and puts two in the back of Booth's head, because God told him to. Yeah! Get it! If you haven't listened to the dollop episode on Boston Corbett or... The dial-up episode on Boston Corbett, uh, uh, you know, just look out, look for podcasts that did Boston Corbett. And just see what you find. It's fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Negro military <laughs> labor had been indispensable to the Union armies. Negroes built most of the fortifications and earthworks for General Grant in front of Vicksburg. The works in, the, in, in and about Nashville were cast up by the strong arm and willing hand of the loyal blacks. Dutch Gap was dug by Negroes. I should know what that is, I'm sure, but I don't. I, I don't of, either. That like a it's capitalized, company? like capital D, capital D Dutch Gap. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, and miles of earthwork fortifications and corduroy roads. I don't know what that is either, but I imagine weird pant roads, just roads plowed <laughs> with weird. This is all clothing pants. references.
1: This is it's like all Dutch Gap, corduroy roads. You're I'm roads going through a mall in the '90s right this now. This is
0: very strange to me. They did fatigue duty in every department in the Union Army. Wherever a Negro appeared with a shovel in his hand, a white soldier took his gun and returned to the ranks. There were 200,000 Negroes in the camps, and employ of the, Negro, uh, the Union armies as servants, teamsters, cooks, and laborers.
1: Okay. Oh, by uh, the way, for context, uh, Dutch Gap is a canal oh, uh, in Virginia. Cool. So they dug a canal. They dug and, a canal. And a quartered road is when they just like dig out a road and then they lay down a bunch of logs. So it looks like a railroad, but it's not actually a railroad. It's just like a road of logs to take like people or a car on.
0: Now, now why, why would you do, if you're digging out the road, why, why do you need that? Why is that useful? So you're not sinking in a mud and shit. This see David, this is why we've got you here for your good engineering. I would have gotten us <laughs> caught in the mud in that road. This is why we need, we all need a squad guys. Y'all need a squad. Um, the South was for a long time convinced that the Negro could not and would not fight. The idea of they doing any serious fighting against white men is simply ridiculous. See, this is what happens when you buy your own bullshit. When yeah. you, like, your race science, like, pseudo-get-your-calipers-out nonsense is fun when you're trying to uh, dehumanize a group of people, but you always gotta remember that that's bullshit, because eventually you believe it, and then you realize that, oh, fuck, we made that, sh- oh, god, now they've got guns. Oh, man, we really should have, uh written down that that was bullshit. Oh, man. Okay, well, here we are. (laughs) This is my Um, favorite
1: comeuppance story.
0: It's just so good. It's just so good. In an editorial in the Savannah Republican, March 25th, 1863, of the actual fighting of Negroes, a Union General Morgan afterward interested in Negro education says, history has not yet done justice to the share borne by colored soldiers in the war for the Union. Their conduct during the eventful period has been a silent but most potent factor in influencing public sentiment, shaping legislation, and fixing the status of colored people in America. If the records of their achievements could be put into shape, that they could be accessible to the thousands of colored youth in the South, they would kindle in their young minds an enthusiastic devotion to manhood and liberty. Man, that, that sentence is still equally true no matter when you write it. Yeah, that, holy shit. That's a, that's a fairly hefty sentence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, black men were repeatedly and deliberately used as shock troops. Ah, fun. We used the Poles, we use black men, th- 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 shock troops, yay! Uh, when there was little or no hope of success. In February 1863, Colonel Thomas Wentworth Higginson, oh, that's a name, led black troops into Florida and declared it would have been madness to attempt with the bravest white troops what successfully was accomplished with black ones. Hmm. In April, there were three white companies from Maine and seven Negro companies on Ship Island, the key to New Orleans. Black troops with black officers were attacked by Confederates who outnumbered them five to one. The Negroes retreated so as to give the federal gunboat Jackson a chance to shell their pursuers. But the white crew disliked the Negro soldiers and openly fired upon the black troops while they were fighting the Confederates. I don't know if I've ever lost so much hope for humanity while reading a mid-sentence. That was a fun. Major Dumas, the Negro officer in command, rescued the black men repulsed the Confederates and brought the men out safe. Okay, we came out the other side okay. So the white, in a movie, like, you could see this cinematically, that again, they're going in, they're fighting, they give, oh, we've got our guys behind us that begrudgingly are accepting us, and then those guys start shooting at us, and fuck it, we're coming out the other side anyway, and now I sincerely hope they're going to go kick those white guys' asses, but I have a feeling that's not going to happen, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, Repulsed the Confederates, brought the men out safely. The commander called attention to these colored officers. They were constantly in the thickest of the fight, and by their unflinching bravery and admirable handling of their commands, contributed to the success of the attack and reflected great honor upon the flag. And also got shot at by their fucking allies, and no one's going to mention that part. See that? Nope. The, uh-uh. You always Fries get to pl- write stuff off when you call people heroes. It's fun. Banks laid siege to Port Hudson with all his forces, including two black regiments. On May 23rd, 1863, the assault was ordered, but the various cooperating organizations did not advance simultaneously. The Negro regiments on the north made three desperate charges, losing heavily but maintained the advance over a field covered with recently felled trees. Confederate batteries opened fire upon them. Michigan, New York, and Massachusetts white troops were hurled back, but the works had to be taken. Two Negro regiments were ordered to go forward through a direct and crossfire. David, tell me about those two regiments.
1: uh, So entering a quote here The deeds of heroism performed by these colored men Were such as the product white men might emulate Their colors are torn to pieces by shot and literally bespattered by blood and brains. The colored sergeant of the 1st Louisiana on being mortally wounded hugged the colors to his breast when a struggle ensued between the two colored corporals on each side of him. As the two who should have the honor of bearing the sacred standard and during this generous contention, one was seriously wounded. One black... Okay,
0: sorry, this is... There's a lot to digest here, guys. Yeah, uh, we're gonna take a quick pause, real quick, to digest that. Um, so there's there's two regiments of of, of black people take mm-hmm. trying to take a position. Um, sorry, the line that uh the the deeds that were performed by these men were such that the proudest white men should emulate it. Yeah. no, not a good i not a good way to start your sentence. And then <laughs> we have a guy who gets shot. And he's clutching the flag to his chest, so so bravely. Yes. He's the color bear. He's the guy holding the flag. His whole job is to stand there and hold the flag. Which, good God, if you could think of a shittier job in the military, get fi- I, I don't know. <laughs> your job is to stand there, get shot at, and your defense is, I have a flag. Fuck nothing. Mm. I don't be the drummer. At least you can have a beat there. No, mm, no, not flag boy. But uh, no flag. Flag gentleman gets shot, falls, holds the flag to his chest. Then his two, the two like sergeants around him are arguing over which of them gets to bury him, and then one of them gets shot while they're arguing. Seems like a bad time to stop and have an argument about who gets to bury the guy (laughs) if you are still getting shot at. Um, Who is telling this story? This is absolute lunacy. Uh, Now that I feel caught up, David, continue. Continue.
1: One black lieutenant actually mounted the enemy's works three or four times and in one charge the assaulting party came within fifty paces of them. Indeed, if only ordinarily supported by artillery and reserve, no one can convince us that they would not have opened a passage through the enemy's works. So he's saying like if the white people firing behind them were like actually competent, these guys would have busted. If they'd have had
0: any help whatsoever other than being abandoned to a suicide mission, this might have worked.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Captain Caillou? No, no,
0: no. <laughs> I know that's probably how it's pronounced, but I refuse to imagine that little weird bald-headed it's, bastard. It's just felt like the fucking bald kid with an
1: X but at with, the end. But with an
0: X, so I'm. Yes. Um, mm, just, I, I can't imagine. Him. <laughs> Which
1: makes it even more that it would be pronounced that way.
0: Yeah, but now I'm oh. trying to. Now the problem is this is a black person, so I'm trying to imagine Caillou, but a black-faced version of Caillou, and I don't like any of this. None of this feels good for me in my brain right now, so please remove that image. This is on you now.
1: (laughs) Captain Caillou of the 1st, Louisiana, a man so black that he actually prided himself on his blackness, died the death of- uh, Why should- why were you making that sound like a bad thing? What the fuck? Who is writing this? (laughs) Died the death of a hero, leading on his men in the thickest of fight. Colonel Bassett being driven back, Colonel Finnegas took his place, and his men being similarly cut to pieces, Lieutenant Colonel Bassett reformed and recommenced, and thus the brave went on from morning until 3.30 p.m. under the most hideous carnage that men had ever, ever had to withstand, and that very few white ones would have had the nerve to encounter, even if ordered to." During this time, they were rallied and they were ordered to make six distinct oh charges, my God. losing 37 killed and 155 wounded and 116 missing, the majority, if not all, of these being all probably now lying dead on the gory field and without the rights of se- sepulture. Uh, for when by flag or truce our forces in other di- uh, direction were permitted to reclaim their dead the benefit thos, through some neglect was not extended to these black oh, regiments fuck. oh
0: fuck off through yeah. some ne- they were allowed to go get their dead from the field and they chose not to get the black soldiers mm-hmm. on the
1: field yeah. fucking hell when they were the ones that ran up through the gory sacrifice
0: fucking hell six charges Mm -hmm. into an untakeable position, essentially, is what we've been led to believe here. Fuck yes. Hell. Mm -hmm.
1: (sighs) Continue. In June came the Battle of Milliken's Bend. Grant, in order to capture Vicksburg, had drawn nearly all of his troops from Milliken's Bend except three Negro regiments and a small force of white cavalry. This force was surprised by the Confederates, who drove the white cavalry to the very breastworks of the fort. Here, the Confederates rested, expecting to take the fortifications in the morning. At three o'clock, they rushed over with drawn bayonets, but the Negroes drove them out of the forts and held them until the gunboats came up. One officer describes the fight. Before the colonel was ready, the men were in line, ready for action. As before stated, the rebels drove our force towards gunboats, taking colored men prisoners and murdering them. This so enraged them that they rallied and charged the enemy more heroically and desperately than has been recorded during the war. It was a genuine bayonet charge, hand-to-hand fight, that has never occurred to any extent during this prolonged conflict. Upon both sides, men were killed with the butts of muskets. White and black men were lying side-by-side, pierced with bayonets, and in some instances, transfixed to the earth. And in one instance, two men, one white and the other black, were found dead side by side, each having each other's bayonet through the body. If facts prove to be what they are now represented, this engagement of Sunday morning will be recorded as the most desperate of the war. Broken limbs, broken he- heads, and mangling of bodies all prove that this was a contest between enraged men on one side from the hatred of race and on the other, desire for self-preservation, revenge for past grievances, and the inhumane murder of their comrades. Now, I would just like to stop and highlight yeah. not only has this been pretty grotesquely boring or boring gory god damn <laughs>
0: that is <laughs> the wrong both, word yeah uh well, I'm um,
1: recording. yeah fucking hell uh, so uh but not only has this been grotesquely gory and and I really you know unfortunately both because they're black and that's how black people get talked about on uh in a very sad way and because it's it's talking about bloody war battles uh there's a lot of talk about like bodies and gore and blood. And I, am not super comfortable with that, but that's, what's written here. But the other yeah. thing, the other thing is this last sentence, it's, you know, and, and we're going to get past the broken heads and limbs and things like, you know, all prove that it was a contest between enraged men on one side from hatred of race on the other desire for pre- self-preservation, revenge, past grievances and inhumane murder of their comrades. Again, this is where we talk about, you know, the neutral and a moving train bullshit of all violence is bad like there's a oh. very very distinct between the desperate killing cuz you hate a race and self-preservation and vengeance for the people you care about
0: yeah if you have any question about the roles of like how violence should uh, be viewed in a in a revolutionary context <laughs> uh, there's a guy who wrote all uh, a 78 page chapter about it uh Destanon yeah. we did that once go listen to that or listen to the three minute thing on Fanon that we have been tweeting out on our Facebook or Facebook, on our Twitter feed. I've been putting both, it on
1: Facebook as fuck. Yeah. Both, I mean, we both read it yourself too. I mean just you know, just, just soak it in. Just
0: go look it on Varn. Soak violence. it in.
1: Yes. Uh, the month of July eighteen sixty three was memorable. General Meade had driven Lee from Gettysburg, Grant had captured Vicksburg, Banks had captured Port Hudson, and gilbert Gilmore had begun his operations in Morris Island on the 13th of July. The draft riot broke out in New York city. And before it was over a Negro regiment in South Carolina and the 54th Massachusetts was preparing to lead the assault on Fort Wagner. It was a desperate, impossible venture which failed, but can never be forgotten.
0: The black 54th Massachusetts regiment was to lead the assault. Wagner loomed black, grim and silent. There was no glimmer of light. Nevertheless, in the fort, Down below the level of the tide and under roofs made by huge trunks of trees lay 2,000 Confederate soldiers hidden. Our troops advanced toward the fort. While our mortars in the rear tossed bombs over their heads, behind the 54th came five regiments from Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Maine. The mass went quickly and silently in the night. Then suddenly the walls of the fort burst with a blinding sheet of vivid light. Shot shells of iron and bullets crushed through the dense mass of the attacking force. I shall never forget the terrible sound of that awful blast of death which swept down, battered or dead, a thousand of our men. Not a shot had missed its aim. Every bolt of iron and lead tasted of human blood. The column wavered and recovered itself. They reached the ditch before the fort. They climbed on the ramparts and swarmed over the walls. It looked as though the fort were captured. Then there came another blinding blaze from concealed guns in the rear of the fort, and the men went down by scores. Rebels rallied and were reinforced by thousands of others who had landed on the beach in the darkness, unseen by the fleet. They hurled themselves upon the attacking force. The struggle was terrific. The supporting units hurried up to their aid to aid their comrades, but they as they raised the ramparts, they fired a volley which struck down many of their own men. Our men rallied again, but were forced back to the edge of the ditch. Colonel Shaw, with scores of his black fighters, went down struggling desperately. Resistance was vain. The assailants were forced back to the beach, and the rebels drilled their recovered cannons anew on the remaining survivors. When a request was made for Colonel Shaw's body, a Confederate major said, We have buried him with his hard N-words. In December 1863, Morgan led Negro troops in the Battle of Nashville. He declared a new chapter in the history of liberty had been written. It had been shown that marching under a flag of freedom, animated by a love of liberty, even the slave becomes a man and a hero. My exasperated looks don't translate well, just, just, deal, just, just absorb them through audio, osmosis. Mm-hmm. Between eight and 10,000 Negro troops took part in the battles around Nashville, all of them from slave states. When General Thomas rode over the battlefield and saw the bodies of colored men side by side with the foremost on the very works of the enemy, he turned his st- to his staff saying, Gentlemen, the question is settled, Negroes will fight. Really, glad it took you watching all of their dead bodies on the field for you to think yeah. that conclusion, Mr. Thomas. Good, good call there. How extraordinary and what a tribute to ignorance and religious hypocrisy is the fact that in the minds of most people, even those of liberals, only murder makes men. Fuck this yes, is, love, it. love it when he comes in right after I have a thought.
1: I was going to say, this is like case number 50 where we have a thought, say it, and the Du says it better. Immediately like Immediately slams it home. later. God, love it, when it, love it when a plan comes together.
0: Basically, whenever I come up with a thought and the Du Bois immediately reinforces that, yes, you had a good thought. It feels like you won a test or something. Like,
1: all right. All yeah. right. I, I got <laughs> that. I did read this right. I did. Good. I did.
0: I, did, I, I have comprehension. Um, the New York Times said conservatively in 1860. The New York Times said conservatively everything they've ever said has been <gasps> <laughs> We got singers, guys. Rib shot. <laughs> Negro soldiers have now been in battle at Port Hudson and at Milliken's Bend in Louisiana. At Helena, hey, that's where that's like the hub of where all my family in Arkansas were from. I think there actually are. I think when I was growing up, there was, uh, there was this big mountain in the back of my grandparents' house. I think there was a monument to a Civil War battle that happened like, in my grandparents' backyard. Oh, jeez. Um, obviously, obviously, they weren't thrilled about it because uh, they would have been on the wrong side. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at Morris Island in South Carolina or at near Fort Gibson in the Indiana Territory. In two of these instances, they assaulted fortified positions and led the assault. In two, they fought on the defensive, and in one, they attacked rebel infantry. In all of them, they acted in conjunction with white troops and under command of white officers. In some instances, they acted with distinguished bravery. And in all, they acted as well as could be expected of raw troops. Even the New York Herald wrote in May 1864, The conduct of the colored troops, by the way, in the actions of the last few days is described as superb. An Ohio soldier said to me today, I never saw men fight with such desperate gallantry as those Negroes did. They advanced as grim and stern as death, and when within reach of the enemy, struck about them with pitiless vigor that was almost fearful. Another soldier said to me, These Negroes never shrink nor hold back, no matter what the order. Those scorching heat and pelting storms, if the order comes, they march with prompt, ready feet. Such praise is great praise, and it is deserved.
1: I just want to this- pause and oh, say please. that I'm really happy to hear that that black people uh killed the confederate soldiers defending slavery with pitiless vigor because as they fucking should (laughs) yeah
0: yeah can't imagine there's a whole lot of uh second you know remorseful second thoughts about that particular bayonet charge (laughs) i don't imagine that one feels good yeah Uh, and there was a significant dispatch in the new york tribune july 26th in speaking of the solidaire, soldierly qualities of our colored troops, I do not refer especially to their noble action in the perilous edge of the battle. That is settled. But to their docility and their patience of labor and suffering in the camp and on the march. Holy crap, it's almost like they're like real people, guys. This is wild. this. Well, yes, the New York Tribune says they're people of all. I don't know anything about New York papers. I just assume they're all kind of garbage. Um, Grant was made lieutenant general in 1864 and began to reorganize the armies. When he came east, he found that few Negro troops had been used in Virginia. He therefore transferred nearly 20,000 Negroes from the southern and western armies to the Army of Virginia. They fought in nearly all the battles around Petersburg and Richmond, and the officers on the field reported. The problem is solved. The Negro is a man, a soldier, a hero. Knowing of your laudable interest in the colored troops, but particularly those raised under the immediate auspices of the supervisory committee, I have thought it proper that I should let you know how they acquitted themselves in the late actions in front of Petersburg, of which you have already received newspaper accounts. If you remember in my conversations upon the character of these troops, I carefully avoided saying anything about their fighting qualities till I could have an opportunity of trying them. On the Siege of Petersburg began, when the Siege of Petersburg began, there was desperate battles, the 16th, 17th, and 18th of June. The presence of Negro soldiers rendered the enemy especially spiteful, and there was continual scrimmages and sharp shooting. Burnside's 9th Corp. had a brigade of black troops who advanced within 50 yards of the enemy works. There was a small projecting fort, which it was decided to mine and destroy. The colored troops were to charge after the mine was set off. An inspecting officer reported that the black corps was fittest For the perilous services, of course. Mm. But Meade objected to colored troops leading the assault. Burnside insisted. The matter was referred to Grant, and he agreed with Meade. A white division led the assault and failed. Ha ha, suck it, Grant. Uh, You old drunk. The Battle of the Crater followed. Captain McCabe says it was now 8 o'clock in the morning. The rest of Potter's Federal Division moved out slowly. When Ferrero's Negro Division, the men beyond question, inflamed with drink. That seems an unnecessary uh, element. There are many officers and men, myself, among the number who will testify to this. Good. Just to clarify that they were drunk at the time. Burst from the advance line, cheering vehemently, passed at a double quick over a crest under a heavy fire, and rushed with scarcely a check over the heads of the white troops in the crater spread to their right and captured more than 200 prisoners and one stand of colors. General Grant afterwards said, General Burnside wanted to put his colored troops in front. I believe if he had done so, it would have been a success following spring, April 3rd, the federal troops entered Richmond. White Zoll was leading, with a black regiment in his command. A long blue line. That's very close to a thin blue line. I don't like yeah, it. Anyway. I don't like it. With gun barrels gleaming and bands playing, John, Brown bod- John Brown's body lies a molder in the grave, but his soul goes marching on. David, come on now.
1: <laughs> we, we know we can do that too.
0: No, we, lost it. we lost the moment. On. It was right. there. President Lincoln visited the city after the surrender, and the Connecticut Colored Troops, known as the 29th Colored Regiment, witnessed his entry. One member of this unit said, when the president landed, there was no carriage near. Neither did he wait for one. But leading his son, they walked over a mile to General Whitesell's headquarters at Jeff Davis' mansion. I've got to imagine that that's not how you abbreviate Jefferson Davis, because I just can't imagine, <laughs> like, old Jeff, <laughs> old President Jeff Davis. Yeah, let's gonna go do get Jeff gonna do some nascar gonna put on a visor and gonna lead the confederacy old jeff you know what
1: i i feel like jeff davis would be a fucking nascar driver Oh, of course he is come
0: on now uh what a spectacle i never witnessed such rejoicing in all my life as the president passed along the street colored people waved their handkerchiefs hats and bonnets and expressed their gratitude by shouting repeatedly thank god for his goodness we have seen his salvation no wonder tears came to his eyes when he looked on the poor colored people who were once slaves and heard the blessings uttered from thankful hearts and thanksgiving to God and Jesus. After visiting Jefferson Davis's mansion, okay, yes, you just do abbreviate Jefferson Davis to Jeff Davis. Holy <laughs> cow. He proceeded to the rebel capital and from the steps delivered a short speech and spoke to the colored people as follows. In reference to you, colored people, th- thank you, Abe. Let me say God <laughs> has made you free. Cool. Uh, Although you have been deprived of your God-given rights by your so-called masters and me, also me, very much me, Abraham Lincoln, depriving you of your rights, you are now as free as I am. Except not really. And if those that claim to be your superiors do not know that you are free, take the sword and bayonet and teach them that you are, for God created all men free, giving them the same rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of
1: happiness. Way to call back to that little ditty. Abe. i i i actually do kind of like for as much of a chicken shit as abe is him saying like if people don't think you're free just fucking kill them yeah i mean he, he nice obviously, he figured it out and
0: turned quickly like he he leaned into it once he realized again it's the thing once everybody else agreed that it was an okay decision then abe leans in and goes all in um <laughs> the recruiting of negro soldiers was hastened after the battle of fort wagner until finally no less than 154 regiments designated as United States Negro troops were enlisted. They included 140 infantry regiments, 7 cavalry regiments, 13 artillery regiments, and 11 separate companies and batteries. The whole number enlisted will never be accurately known, since in the Department of the Gulf and elsewhere, there was a practice of putting a living Negro soldier in a dead one's place under the same name. Hmm. Official figures say that there were, in all, 186,017 Negro troops, of whom 123,156 were still in service, July 16, 1865, and the, the losses during the war were 68,178. They took part in 198 battles and skirmishes, without a doubt, including servants, laborers, and spies. Between three and 400,000 Negroes helped as regular soldiers of, or laborers in winning the Civil War. The world knows that the noble inscription on St. Gordon Shaw monument in Boston common written by president Elliot. Noble.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's oh, so Is this a, Oh yeah. Is- this is the inscription. The inscription says the oh. white officers. Cool. Is that the whole inscription? Just the white officers. Yeah. <laughs> or is this no, the inscription to taking, taking life, life and, and
0: honor and- in their hands? Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Taking life and honor in their hands, cast their lot with the men of despised race, unapproved in war, and risk death as inciters of servile insurrection if taken prisoners, besides encountering all common perils of camp, march, and battle. I think that's... Oh, the black rank and file. Volunteered Mm. when disaster clouded the Union cause, served without pay for 18 months till given that of white troops, faced threatened enslavement if captured were brave in action patient under dangerous and heavily heavy labors and cheerful amid hardships and provocations privations. together oh privations and then lastly together they gave the nation undying proof that american and african descent possessed this oh americans of african descent possessed the same pride courage and devotion as the patriot soldier 180,000 such americans enlisted under the union flag in Years. I guess that's 1863 to 1865 because that's uh, a lot of that's a sure. lot of Roman numerals and I know Roman numerals sure. enough I can sit here and think them out but that's also, like a it's build- the years we just I know the years two, that they were fighting I see too many C's to do the math C is twenty yeah, there's that's, a bunch. it's probably 1863. no one writes like that because it's a shit. stupid
0: number system fuck them
1: yeah okay anyway done done with the 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 um, inscription. done with the inscription
0: done with the petty liberal yeah. bullshit
1: yeah or. Maybe there's the whole paragraph is the inscription. What is this? Not no, only did Negroes God, no, fight in the, the ranks. Not only did Negroes fight in the ranks, but also 75 served as com- commissioned officers and a large number as subalterns. Yeah, this probably isn't this, the description. Uh, major F.E. Dumas of Louisiana was a free Negro and a gentleman of education, ability, and property. He organized a whole company of his own slaves and was promoted to the rank of major. Many of the other Louisiana officers were well educated. Among the officers were made were one major, 27 captains, and 38 lieutenants, and nearly 100 non-commissioned officers. In other color regiments, most of the officers were white, but Massachusetts commissioned 10 Negro officers, and Kansas, three. There were outside Louisiana, one lieutenant colonel, one major, two captains, two surgeons, I didn't know that was an officer to be a surgeon, and four lieutenants whose records are known. There were a number of of mulattoes who served as officers in white regiments, one of the staff is a major general of volunteers. Medals of honor were bestowed by the United States government for heroic conduct on the field of battle upon 14 Negroes. The Confederates furiously denounced the army of Negroes. You know not Savannah- I wonder why. Uh, the, the Savannah Republican called Hunter a cold-blooded abolitionist miscreant from whom his headquarters at Hilton head is engaged in executing the bloody and savage behests of the Imperial gorilla who from his throne of human bones at Washington rules, reigns riots over the distinct destinies of the brutish and degraded North. (laughs) Just, you want to talk about like stealing, you know, leftist language for, for right things, the Imperialist gorillas of the North, freeing the slavery (laughs) the the ruiners of the South. It's just the proof op- that you'll,
0: you'll use, again, lang- just look at the yeah. actions. and Look at what backs it up. Yeah, Pretty easy to analyze when you actually know what you're looking at.
1: The officers in command of black troops were branded as outlaws. If captured, they were to be treated as common felons. To be killed by a Negro was a shameful death. To be shot by the Irish and Germans from the northern city slums was humiliating. But for masters to face armed bodies of these former slaves was inconceivable. When, therefore, black men were enrolled in Northern armies, the Confederates tried to pillory the government internationally on the ground. This was arming barbarians for a servile war. Oh,
0: my God. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Cool. Very neat. In a message to the Confederate Congress, Jeff Davis asked our fellow men of all countries, <laughs> never referring to him as Jefferson Davis ever again. He's Jeff Davis from now until
1: it's da- NASCAR driver, Jeff Davis.
0: NASCAR NASCAR driver. By the way, uh, if you two, don't know two that you a TOTA 500 champion, If Jeff you Davis. do not know that the uh, uh, the art, the album art for this particular episode mm. is NASCAR driving Jeff 100%. Davis, percent. okay. He'll, he'll,
1: he'll have the sponsored hat, the sunglasses. Yeah, it'll, oh, it'll yeah. happen. The whole thing. The whole thing. Uh, our fellow
0: men of all countries to pass judgment on a measure by which several million of human beings of an inferior race, great start, Jeff, peaceful and contented laborers in their sphere, you dumb asshole, are doomed to extermination while at the same time they are encouraged to a general assassination of their masters by the insidious, man, your, your adjectives are just great today, Jeff, great work, uh, recommendation to abstain from violence unless necessary defense. Our own detestation of those who have attempted the most execrable measures recorded in the history of guilty men is tempered by profound contempt. The adverbs here, too. Good God, my man. Just stop. Just say the sentence, you antebellum bitch, for the (laughs) impotent rage which it discloses. So far as regards the action of this government on such criminals as may attempt its execution, I confine myself. You haven't confined yourself to dick. To informing you that I shall, unless in your wisdom you deem some other course expedient, deliver to the several state authorities, all commissioned officers of the United States, that may hereafter be captured by our forces in any of the states embracing the proclamation, that they may be dealt with in accordance with the laws of those states providing for the punishment of criminals engaged in exciting, servile insurrection. You wordy bastard! Holy (laughs) hell, Jeff! Just say I'd like to thank my sponsors and do a burnout or something, you fucking
1: just, just, just warning, warning, um, economy of language, pun incoming. Jeff Davis is a miser of language.
0: <laughs> and not the rational miser that we've talked about before. No, no. The, the irrational miser, you. God damn in December 1862, he issued a proclamation. <laughs> oh, well, shit, you do an Emancipation Proclamation. I'll do a proclamation. We can have pro- a proclamation off. That all Negro slaves captured in arms be at once delivered over to the executive authorities of the respective states to which they belonged and to be dealt with according to the law of the said states, which, of course, meant death. Same yeah, month, yeah. The, but yeah. here's
1: here's the state's rights. Yeah, yeah.
0: We have an Emancipation Proclamation and then we have a kill them all proclamation. This is an interesting conflict. There's a dialectic going on here. Well, let's, let's have a synthesis <laughs> of sorts. Um, Jesus Christ. The same month, the Confederate Congress passed resolutions confirming in the main the president's proclamation, ordering that commissioned officers commanding Negro troops be put to death by the Confederate government while the Negroes be turned over to the states again to be murdered. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the fire of the Confederates was always concentrated upon the black troops, and Negroes captured suffered indignities and cruelties. Frederick Douglass, who visited the White House in the president's carriage to take tea, hmm, appealed on be- in behalf of his fellow blacks. If they served in federal uniform, he said that they should receive the treatment of prisoners of war. Duh. This treatment of Negro soldiers brought rebuke from Abraham Lincoln because, of course, it did! But worse than that, it brought fearful retaliation upon the field of battle. The most terrible case of Confederate cruelty was the massacre at Fort Pillow. When Major Booth refused to surrender the fort, the Confederate General Forrest gave a signal and his troops made a fierce charge. In 10 minutes, they had swept in. Federal troops surrendered, but an indiscriminate massacre followed. The black troops were shot down in their tracks, pinioned to the ground with bayonets and saber, Some were clubbed to death while dying of wounds. Others were made to get upon their knees in which condition they were shot to death. Some were burned alive, having been fastened inside the buildings. While still others were nailed against the houses, tortured, and then burned to a crisp. Never forget that that's your enemy. Yeah. That's your enemy. The dilemma of the South in the matter of the Negro troops grew more perplexing. Negroes made good soldiers. That the Northern Experiment had proven beyond pre-adventure. Prospect of freedom was leading an increasing stream of black troops into the Federal Army. This stream could be diverted into the Southern Army if the lure of freedom were offered by the Confederacy. This would be an astonishing ending for a war in defense of slavery. In the first year of the war, large numbers of Negroes were in the service of the Confederates as laborers. In January at Mobile, numbers of Negroes from the plantations of Alabama were at work on the redoubts. They were These were very substantially made and strengthened by sandbags and sheet iron. Elsewhere in the South, Negroes were employed in building fortifications as teamsters and helpers in Army service. In 1862, the Florida legislature conferred authority upon the governor to impress slaves for military purposes, if so authorized by the Confederate government. The Confederate Congress provided law in February of 1864 for the impressment of 20,000 slaves for menial service in the Confederate Army. President Jeff was so satisfied with their slavery that he suggested <laughs> in his annual message, November 1864, that this number should be increased to 40,000. With the promise of emancipation at the end of their service. Man, I will love to see the mental gymnastics that Jeff has to do to get himself out of this. Pita. Yeah. But uh, I'm now <laughs> depressed and sad. So on yeah. that cliffhanger, we're going we're gonna to move on to next week, gang.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, fuck. Thanks, Jeff, for your brutality. Thanks, um, Jeff, for your
0: absolute jackassery. <laughs> you fucking just you bitch. Yes. Um, that being said, uh, there's, there's as, as I'm sure, even if everything uh, isn't as, is on the edge as it is right now, uh, if, if for whatever reason you want to reach out to us, but we've had some fantastic people reaching out lately. Um, there are some mm-hmm. uh, sources that we have that we are compiling to integrate to dabble yes. into the show for some. We, we some will,
1: user. we will dabble in some, uh, some feedback about banks. Oh, oh yes, think, yes, yes, and, that would be good. And, oh,
0: just some great, great. And and oh man, it's it's going to be fun, guys. There's some a lot of really yes. great information in here um, that we're, yes. we're condensing or cons- getting getting ready and making sure we're familiar enough with to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, we also have some coming up coming up fairly soon from when you hear this. There should be mm-hmm. a, a fun guest guest episode of Mark's Madness. Yes, which I feel confident enough saying this close to it because you know who knows we may edit this out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Meanwhile, if you would like to be one of those people that sends us some cool stuff because you think it's relevant and want it right on the show, um, you can absolutely do that. If you want to send that long form, the easiest way is probably through email. And our email address is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, yes. If you wanted to send that in a series of extremely long tweets, I guess you could do that. Uh, you <laughs> could tweet at us, it's at marksmadnesspod on Twitter. Our DMs are also open if you just want to send them in there. You know, maybe you've got it that way. Um, or let's say you want to have a, a good back and forth real time conversation uh, that I have absolutely engaged in. And David will occasionally make a Bigfoot like appearances in and, and say hi. Um, I leave footprints. He does. He does. He, he leaves only footprints and takes only memories, something like that. I don't I, I don't know how nature works, um, but yeah, uh, that would be join us on discord. Uh, that just that link is in our Twitter bio. Um, it's the easiest way to get in, or you just email me and ask me for the link, and I'll send it to you that way. But yes, uh, especially right now with, uh, I mean, again, this is probably going to be dated, but with everything happening, uh, the, the Discord has been a nice place for just real-time gathering of resources and information, uh, links, just, just to feel some sort of, to, to be able to parse this. Twitter sometimes is a little difficult to really get through because there's so much happening, and, and it's been a really reliable place for me to get feeds or or get live reactions of what's going on on the ground and and where we need to be funneling resources if possible. So, um, it, I mean, again, if it's a good place for just community and, and, and talking to fellow comrades on a day, minute to minute basis, but it's also proving to be a useful, useful, if (laughs) problematic tool, uh, in helping with the actual on the ground movements that are happening. Um, that being said, David, would you like to give the uh, the fun disclaimer that we we? Like to
1: give yeah, uh, I like how it's a disclaimer. It is a disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> Pur- purpose of the show, uh, obviously, always uh, is that hopefully you guys are in a group, and in your group you're organizing and doing reading groups, and this is something that is complementary to discussion to give you another aspect, uh, another read through, and another way to. Uh, get more input and more context into that discussion for the group. Uh, save that if you're just reading it by yourself. Uh, hopefully we can be your reading group and save that in the occasion that we have books that we summarize or in this occasion, we have books that we read. Uh, hopefully we are either your cliff notes or an ebook with uh, good context and feedback uh, any way that we can make this ac- accessible to you. Um, obviously always remember that theory is there for the purpose of sharpening practice. Praxis is theory in action, and theory is useless without Praxis. And, of course, in a time like this, uh, assuming things are still going on as we believe they will be uh, judged by now, and even if they die down, um, it's still in a time like this. I mean, this is still laying foundation for future actions Um, certainly get yourself out there however you can safely in a way that helps with things out there and uh, be respectful to seasoned organizers if you're not a seasoned organizer uh, remember that organizing is best if possible Um, but in times of dire need leave it to the people who have been organizing and just showing up and showing support and being part of it uh, is a part of everything, and what is really key is not just these these protests. Uh, I don't want to say protests are easy. Protests are very difficult and painful and dangerous and important. Um, but protests are relatively the easy part. The the big thing is uh, long term organizing, is making sure those are something instead of something that made the public aware and and walk away. So again, you know, listen to organizers, reciprocate if you can, become an organizer. Uh, use this as an opportunity to. Uh, Grow into expanding organization As long as you're not trying to make it about you And you're respecting the organization That has given us this moment Because this stuff was not spontaneous This comes from decades of committed organization Um, And that's That's all I have to say on that
0: Fantastic well that being said we will join you uh, Next week here Here Mm -hmm. in our our same same Mark's Madness time same Mark's Madness place Uh (laughs) Until next week I'm Nathan I'm David and we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.